0: Hello and welcome to Ascent's podcast exploring standards my name is Jess and in this podcast I will be talking to the experts in the consultancy industry at Ascent we pride ourselves on championing international standards and in each episode of this podcast I will be talking to expert consultants discussing standards ISOs consultancy and everything in between to bring you industry knowledge and updates Welcome to another episode of Exploring Standards. I am Jess, the host, and today I'm here with Director of the Risk Management Robert Clements and Director of Aviso Paul Stevens. How are you both?
1: Very well, thank you. Yeah, good. Thanks, Jess.
0: Good. Fantastic. So our episode today, the topic of our episode today is the future of ISO. So I'm going to get straight in there and ask you the first question, which is how can consultants work together? Uh-
1: Okay. From my point of view, I think as consultants, there's a huge value in us working together. We've got a, a combined a huge pool of resources, knowledge, and experience. And I've always said, I'd much rather, I'd much rather get sixty percent of something than a hundred percent of nothing. So I think you know, as, as a business strategy, it works very, very well. It allows us to. Um, more flexible more dynamic uh have the right resources available when we need them and to offer to our clients that additional knowledge and experience that comes with with through collaboration i think it's, i think it's a fantastic thing and i think you know it should be we should do what we can to actively encourage it
2: yeah no i definitely agree with that i think um you can't be an expert on everything can you and i know we're going to talk about the future of the industry a bit later on but i think that's the real change is that there's much more focus on the expertise and the quality of what you're delivering nowadays. So that's where working with other consultants is really good because you can access expertise that you might not have uh, and it might not be viable for you to develop that in-house because you might just get one inquiry a year, but at least if you've got other consultants that you know and trust, you can um, you can still deliver for the client and give them a good service. You know, it's quite a healthy industry as well. So it's not, um, you know, there's plenty of work out there and we're fighting for the same jobs. And and
1: there is plenty of work and some of that work is becoming more complex, uh, multiple standards, multiple locations, different wider scopes of work. So you need that ability to pull together different teams, the appropriate teams for the the, the appropriate job. So the the opportunity and the, the, the potential work out there only increases if we collaborate. If we don't, we limit ourselves to jobs that only the smaller jobs we can do in-house, potentially.
0: Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today about the future of ISO. Um, I hope you've enjoyed talking. It isn't, um, you're not competing against each other. We're all working together for the same sort of cause. That's brilliant. So uh, what can we do then to improve the industry or what are we doing to improve the industry?
2: Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, um, Paul uh, from uh, Advisor and and us sent. I've been talking for quite some time about what we could do about this because um, the industry is is far and wide, and it ranges from um, sort of one man or one person bands um, and uh, people that have retired or, or gone, you know, a separate way. Uh, and obviously, what they deliver is quite different from what a consultancy firm uh, with a number of consultants might deliver. Uh, and there's definitely a place for that, but it is a different. Um, a different option for clients, um, and the quality of, of what people deliver across the spectrum is quite different. If we go back to the old black and white days, things were very different. It was very much um, orientated around quality and the quality standards, and um, you know quite often used have very templated, um, very templated policies, uh, and and very templated documentation sometimes consultants uh, wouldn't provide that documentation to their client they'd give them a copy of it but not the actual original source so it's very much controlled and it's um, something that we don't tend to do today Uh, as consultants we might give much more ownership of the process to the client Um, so those little things that are coming through um, in the modern um, consultancy industry is what we would really like to promote Um, and um, uh, Paul and I work together a lot but we'd like to bring other consultancies in um, which is uh, what we're trying to do through a scheme called UK consulting which uh, I'll let Paul pick up on uh, rather than me talk all the time
1: brilliant thanks Rob so no, I think to, to, to follow up on what Rob's saying there very much is there are <clears throat> there's organizations of all different shapes and sizes operating in this industry so from sole traders but there's now we're seeing uh, larger, much larger organizations coming in to offer services around ISO standards outside of just the, the certification side of it. And what I think people don't necessarily always realise is that consultancies aren't governed controlled. So the certification bodies are um audited, controlled by UCAS. We don't have that um in place for us so anyone can get up tomorrow and call themselves a consultant and there are some fantastic ones out there and there's not very good and there's everything in between what we're looking to do is 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 help the consultancies that, that wants to improve including us so everyone to, to to work to really high standards to have something to show for that and, and to be able to evidence that to potential clients i think that's that's really important that we've all got a way of showing to clients that this is the quality of work the quality of standards you can expect from when working with firm um, these types of businesses and that can only help pull the whole industry up um, where people get more value from the certificates they they obtain they get more value from the process they're more likely to go for more certificates they're more likely to um, continue to engage with the ones they've got so I, I think it's again improving standards across the industry anything that can be done to do that is only going to improve the industry as a whole and the public perception of ISO standards which varies based on the work that people have done with them I think you know, UK Consulting has a real opportunity to support with that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we've um, we've started to meet with some other consultants. I think you you made a point there, Paul about um, that we want to improve as well as uh, improving the industry. So um, we're we're not sort of saying that that we're perfect and we're the model that everyone should follow. Um, we're really interested in learning about the new um, things that are out there um, and any improvements that we can make. And a lot of that comes from talking to other consultants, right? So we've started to hold um, some regular meetups, which at the moment is on Teams. Uh, It's obviously Paul and myself are there, but some of the other consultancy firms are joining those meetings. um, And we're getting some really good uh, feedback and good knowledge out of those meetings um, for this UK consulting um, sort of scheme, and there's some other things that we can do as well. So we've, um, uh, as you know, Jess, because you've worked really hard on it. Um, we're looking at industry awards because once we know what that good practice is, we want to promote that out to the industry. Um, so an award um, system is one way of doing that. We've also worked in the past to um, to publish some of our anonymous non-conformance data, so we can see where where clients might be falling down a little bit or which areas are weaker in the standards uh, and by pulling pulling all of our data together we get a much better idea of what's going on out there and sometimes you can really see can't you pull where there might have been a, a ucas guidance or you know some area that they're focusing on and suddenly you're getting a lot of, of non-conformities in those clauses
1: very much so we've just seen uh, clearly something's been raised by ucas around risk um Risk method, risk management methodology, or risk methodology in 27, and we just see a sudden change in outcomes from auditors who we we have a lot of experience working with certification bodies, and then we we can pick up and we can learn from that. We can say, okay, that the actual expectation, the clause hasn't changed, but the expectation around that has changed. How can we, you know, address that issue for all of our clients, not just the individuals? And then, mm. the, any the other thing to to add? I think is Rob, you touched on the fact that. Historically, consultants would provide some generic locked up templates that met the clock clause of the standard. I think the essence of that is consultancy is about getting someone else in to do the job for you, the job that you don't perhaps have the technical experience with. We having to move from that more to a knowledge transfer position, we need to ensure and enable our clients to go through the audits to have ownership of their management system, not just the IP, but the the, the processes and procedures described within it. Auditors no longer just want to see some generic templates. They want to know that the person they are auditing understands those and, and, and understands the logic and the thinking behind them. So as consultants, we can't just come in and go, boom, here's your system, present that. It's, it's a knowledge transfer, it's an education piece. It's, it's a sharing um, experience where the client is left with the ownership, the IP, um, to continue to manage that going forward. I think that that is a, gen, uh, a definite change. And jumping ahead of myself a little bit that i've seen in the industry over time
0: no that's great um because <clears> as i was going to say my next question was sort of like how has iso changed you know since you guys have entered the industry um obviously paul you've just done a really good sort of description of how you think it's changed but probably you got anything to add to that
2: um well i can always add something jess you know that <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. stop him
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i think that's um That's all absolutely a fair point. I think it is much harder now to get a system certified that is purely a template consultant-driven system. Um, I completely echo that knowledge transfer um, principle that that Paul um, promotes as well. Um, I think in terms of the industry, if you take the wider view, as I said earlier, it very much started as a quality management industry, right, because the first standards that were really adopted and really certified in this world were quality management standards. And actually, if you go right back, a lot of that was around manufacturing rather than the service industry. Um, but when we look today at the breadth of standards that are out there, um, quality is obviously still there and obviously a keystone of it. But much, much smaller in, in the scheme of things. you know. We have uh, information security, which is a huge area and a huge standard um, that people adopt Um, and and many others, health and safety, environmental, sustainability, really any challenge that um, the world is facing, um, there's going to be a standard that backs that up. And with the standard comes the whole host of um, supporting uh, frameworks like certification. Uh, And that's where I think it's much harder these days to be a one-stop shop um in one firm to cover all of these things properly I mean people try it but it's um it's very difficult to do effectively and that brings us right the way back to the need to collaborate yeah
1: completely completely agree with what you said there it 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 was just 9,000 minus quality that's grown I think something else on that front is it was originally about documented processes and procedures. So in order to sit there, as long as you've written everything down, you you were in a good position. Um, Although some might disagree, but that's very much what we've seen. So we've gone from the days of lever arch folders, big management systems, in order to sit there and reading everything, um, moved right the way through to use of software and technologies. But fundamentally, what that means is that there's less focus on the written procedure and more focus on the evidence to back it up so it's all well and good saying we will do this we will do that um it's much more evidence now show me show me the evidence so control controls based risk-based management systems what are your risks what do you use to mitigate those risks What controls and having evidence to back that up rather than um sometimes long and a little dry procedures uh, that may say all the right things got to have the evidence and that that that's a a really positive, I feel, change, um, which means management systems themselves can be more lean, effective, efficient, and, and they help as well engage a wider team. So, sorry, you traditionally might have a quality manager, and because that there's someone with that title, they're given all the responsibility around quality. Now you're looking to engage a wider group of people, or uh, departments across an organisation, who are expected to show their... Their, their, their controls um, to mitigate the identified risks. There is a move towards risk-based, control-based management systems, which better engage a wider group of people across an organization, and help show the system's truly embedded rather than some documented procedures, which might just be dusted off for the audit.
2: Yes, yeah, certainly. Well, I definitely think it's going in the right direction with those changes, you know, the peeling back some of the documentation requirements to make sure it's actually really necessary, I and mean, that's really good. The risk-based approach, I think it's been great for um, for management systems because it allows you to apply it to all different um, types of businesses. Um, I think what would really benefit us more going forward is, is more transparency and more clarity. Um, and going back a little bit to what we were talking about with UCAS and when they might start to focus in on an area, um, It would be really good to share that information because actually um, it's not about policing and catching people out. Surely the end goal is that we all have a better management system and a stronger management system. And if we know what those kind of um, focuses and issues are, then we can build those into our our systems and, and make sure our clients have those in their systems. Um, which obviously improves it. And and that's the bit that's maybe still missing a little bit and one area that we can play a small part in to work together and to um collaborate to to kind of hear about this stuff and, and share that information. I think
1: yeah, to, to follow from that, there's a there's a perhaps a part to pay by UCAS and by the certification bodies that yes, we have to, and, and the, the impartiality is, is fundamental to what we do. But there is, I think, an opportunity to better define the relationships between the consultancies, the certification bodies and UCAS, what we can share, what we can't, how best to share. So we're all taking the industry forward, but still maintaining that impartiality. And I think sometimes the pendulum swings too far one way or the other, and, and we end up actually potentially damaging the, the industry through wanting to, you know, uh, hold that impartiality where actually, we can maintain that impartiality, but still share information to help us all, enable us all to improve the service we provide to our clients.
0: Fantastic. So I know maybe we have just sort of briefly touched on that. And we've been looking at sort of how ISO has changed in the last five years and kind of what you guys would like to see. But what do you think we can expect from ISO in the future?
1: What we can expect and what I'd like probably varies slightly. Um, I would like to see a continuation of the risk-based approach, evidence-based, easier um, integration of technology to evidence compliance. So do we need long policies and procedures if if controls are automated, for example? So, yeah, I, I think continuation of the integration or the ability to integrate standards. So, you know, we, we're seeing this. The, culture of compliance where companies will start maybe with one or two certificates and build that up we have clients with six or seven different certificates the easier to integrate those the better i'd like to see that
2: um yeah i mean i think um that they're moving in that direction with the the common framework that's been around for a while and i know that they're doing a lot of work at the moment on the brand of the 9001 because perhaps some would argue has lost its way a little bit so um I'd expect to see um, that changing a little bit, the quality management side in the future.
1: Environmental, I'd love to see um, more focus on aligning aspects with risks. So we we combine our aspects and risk register 14,001, but at the minute it's very, it's more challenging to do. The standard could be certainly better aligned with the other standards. So we could look at environmental risks. Obviously we still need to consider impacts, significant impacts but i think there's a real opportunity there and that's something that which would go a long way to increasing the ability to integrate these standards and just ensure people got the most value from them
2: yeah i mean there's some excellent um industry specific standards um coming out now uh through the various working groups at iso which which is great but i think eventually there'll be divergence away from the core standards with those and that will need bringing back in so things like, like you say there, Paul, with the alignment aspects um, to risks, um, I think there could be some similar things where, um, where some of these specialist standards have created devices that actually could be brought back into the risk management framework. Um, so that'd be interesting to see. But I mean, we, we like to keep on top of these things and uh, we like a challenge and Paul does as well. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let's try to stay ahead of the game, but uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing it continue to evolve, and that's I think the most important thing is that it does evolve, it doesn't stay still. Because if it's staying still, it's slowly but surely becoming out of date and less relevant to people. So I think changes needed. We should push forward with them. We won't all get everything right every time, but the most important thing is we continue to try and push and develop in line with ever changing workplace workplace environments.
0: Brilliant. Thank you very much.
2: Um, Well, just one thing I was just going to add, um, if there's any consultants or any consultancy firms out there um, that sort of like what we've spoken about today and would like to be involved in improving the industry, the UK Consulting website is up, so it's ukconsulting.org, so that's where these initiatives and these meetings uh, are being kept, Um, and we are trying to arrange regular meetups. Um, with with Paul, myself uh, and several other consultants. So if you are interested in that, then um, please let us know. Um, We've got a LinkedIn page and a LinkedIn group as well, which you can find us on LinkedIn. Um, But yeah, we'd love to have more people involved in in building this kind of um, group of consultants that can represent the interests of consultants. Like Paul said at the start, there's no regulation, there's no accreditation, there's nothing that kind of um, regulates consultants. Uh, and although we, we don't see it as something that regulates consultants, it's, some, it's going to be a body that represents the interests in the industry and tries to engage with stakeholders, you know, like, hopefully, people like UCAS, uh, CERT bodies, others out there. So, um, yeah, please get in touch.
0: Um, yeah, I'll, play, um, I'll pop a link in the show descriptions uh, to both the LinkedIn page and the UK consulting web page as well for anyone who wants to find more information. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today about the future of ISO. Um, I hope you've enjoyed talking. Um, I think it's been very... Not too much. (laughs) (laughs) Not too painful. Um, It's been very insightful. If you have enjoyed listening to today's episode, please make sure to subscribe and give us a review and like. um, And watch out for the next episode. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Check out the show description for links for more information on all topics discussed in the episode. If you enjoyed listening, please make sure you subscribe to our podcast and make sure to leave us a review. If you need any help with implementing an ISO standard or have any questions, please reach out to Ascent Risk Management to talk to one of our expert consultants today. We can be found at www.ascent1.com. We're also on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All links can also be found in the show description. This podcast was produced by Jessica Ingalls and is a Clemark Studios production.